Chapter 5 of George Washington. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Mack, Tucson, Arizona. George Washington by Ferdinand Schmidt. Translated by George P. Upton. Washington's First Battles. It was now clear to the governor that the French were determined to defend what they called their right to the disputed territory. Therefore, he considered it wise to proceed against them without delay. He believed that procrastination would only benefit the enemy by giving them time to strengthen their position. Accordingly, he called the Assembly of Virginia together, laid his plan before it, and urged its speedy execution. The Burgesses, however, met his demands at first with great coldness. It was said that the rights of the mother country, England, to the Ohio region were in any case of a very doubtful nature. If, however, the King of England wished to support his claims to it, he should send over soldiers from England. Finally, however, they agreed to grant £10,000 for the enlistment of troops. Washington had shown himself so capable in every respect in carrying out the mission which had been entrusted to him that the governor did not hesitate to offer him the chief responsibility of the troops, but he declined the honor as, quote, the responsibility was too great for his youth and inexperience, end quote. The governor then appointed the English colonel Joshua Fry, an intelligent and experienced officer, commander-in-chief, and Washington was persuaded to accept the second command with the title of lieutenant colonel. They immediately set out on their march, Washington leading the vanguard, which consisted of only three companies. On the Ohio frontier, he had an opportunity to strike the first blow by attacking a French scouting party, which had come out to pick him off. Only one Frenchman saved himself by flight. The rest were either killed or taken prisoners. Indians took part in this skirmish against the French. A letter which Washington sent a few days later to the governor shows what an ardent soldier he was. Quote, Your honor may depend, I will not be surprised. Let them come at what hour they will, and this is as much as I can promise. But my best endeavors shall not be wanting to effect more. I doubt not you may hear I am beaten, but you will hear at the same time that we have done our duty in fighting, as long as there is a shadow of hope. Close quote. At this time, Fry suddenly died, and the governor again invited Washington to take command of the troops. This time, elated by his recent victory, he did not refuse the call. The march was resumed under great difficulties. He was joined by a great many Indian families who proved themselves useful as scouts, but they were not to be counted on during an engagement. It turned out later that some of these savages were sent into his camp as spies by the French. The march now took him through a mountainous region. The horses were worn out, and there were so few of them 
that the men were obliged not only to carry heavy burdens, but also to take turns in dragging the field pieces. The commander encouraged officers and men by word and example. He loaded his horse with baggage and went afoot himself. After a march of several days, they reached an old encampment where some entrenchments had been thrown up. The men were thoroughly exhausted. It had been raining incessantly for several days, and for a whole week there had been no bread. Washington resolved, therefore, to rest for a few days in this spot and await the arrival of expected provisions. Here they were suddenly attacked by an overwhelming number of the French. It was at an early hour in the morning when the enemy fired upon them. Washington, who was prepared, had his troops march out to the plain. The French, however, continued firing from ambush, and it was soon evident that, in spite of their superior numbers, they did not intend to give up their favorable position, but that their object was rather to entice their foes into the forest. But Washington avoided this, fell back into his entrenchments, and ordered his troops to be very careful of their ammunition and to fire only when there was some chance of success. The French, who had Indian warriors in their service, were posted on a thickly wooded height from whence they kept up a sharp fire all day. It rained without intermission. The trenches filled with water and the muskets became more and more useless. Toward evening, the French called out that they wanted to parley. But as Washington believed the enemy was only anxious to spy out his camp, he paid no attention to the demand. After a while, another message came from the French, adding that they did not wish to enter the camp and asking that an officer should be sent to them, for whose safety they pledged their honor. Washington consented to this, and the result of the conference which now took place was that Washington agreed to an honorable capitulation. By his firmness and valiant resistance, he had succeeded in concealing his real situation, which had become desperate. Because the provision wagons had remained so far behind that the troops were entirely without food, and the ammunition was very nearly exhausted. If the French had been informed of the miserable condition of the entrenchments, for the restoration of which nothing could be done. They never would have agreed to such a capitulation. And if the battle had been continued, Washington and his troops would probably have been doomed to destruction. The next morning he left the entrenchments with military honors, and they were at once occupied by the French. Washington had done the best which could be done under the circumstances for which he and his soldiers received the acknowledgment of the governor and the house of Burgesses. Washington had one serious obstacle to contend with during the whole campaign. The militia was re receiving less pay than the British soldiers. He now took up this subject anew. The continuance of the rule was evidently equivalent to contempt for the Virginia militia, which had, it was admitted, fought heroically. As his demands were not acceded to, and in regard to several other regulations, he was not in accord with the governor, he demanded his dismissal. 
but his retirement did not last long. The following year, two well-equipped British regiments under command of General Braddock landed, and Washington was persuaded to join the new commander. He expressed himself with noble candor to a friend on his reasons for this step. Quote, I do not think I should be blamed if I believe that I deserve some praise, considering that my only object in taking part in this campaign is the commendable wish to serve my country. Neither ambition nor desire of gain move me to this step. I hope that this is clearly shown by my going as a volunteer with no expectation of pay or any hope of receiving a command, as I am firmly convinced that General Braddock is not at liberty to give me any post which I would accept. End quote. The march to the Ohio was immediately commenced, and there certainly would have been important results achieved if only the valiant British general had been more willing to listen to good advice. In haughty security, he moved his battalions forward, led by the music of the military bands, as though he were on a parade ground. Sending out scouts seemed to him a measure denoting cowardice and not caution. He was therefore soon surrounded by swarms of Indian foes, and very soon the enemy knew the strength and destination of the company. It was on the 9th of June when the British fell into an ambushade, where a terrific fire poured in on them from the French and Indians, who had taken up sheltered positions. A greater part of the soldiers of the vanguard fell, among them 26 officers. A still greater number were wounded, and General Braddock paid for this with foolhardy rashness with his life. It was almost a miracle that Washington was saved. As long as Braddock was alive, Washington went dashing to and fro with orders from one threatened point to another. When the commander had fallen, he sought the most dangerous places trying to save the day, and many of the enemy recognized him as a dangerous foe who knew how to inspire his men to renewed ardor by admonition and example. A number of Indians who had for some time been directing a well-aimed fire at him finally desisted when the fruitlessness of their efforts led them to believe that the great spirit had taken the man under his protection. A chieftain told this afterward. Washington himself believed that God had protected him, for he wrote to a friend, quote, But by the all-powerful dispensations of providence, I have been protected beyond all human probability or expectation, for I had four bullets through my coat and two horses shot under me and yet escaped unhurt though death was leveling my companions on every side of me." End quote. It was owing to his courage and coolness that at least a part of the army was saved. Throughout the country there was but one opinion of Washington's ability. A preacher delivered the following eulogy from the pulpit, quote, As one who has distinguished himself on this occasion, I must mention that heroic youth Colonel Washington, whom I cannot hope Providence has hitherto preserved in so signal a manner for some important service to his country. End quote. Washington retired to Mount Vernon, 
which he had in the meanwhile inherited through the death of his brother's daughter. But he retained the post of adjutant general and tried by appropriate drilling and ordinances to prepare the militia under him for efficiency in active service. The defeat of Braddock had frightened the Virginians out of their indifference, and it was recognized that money and troops must not be spared if the constantly increasing menace of war was to be suppressed. Everyone wished to entrust Washington with the chief command. As the reader has already learned, his mother was not one of those timid creatures who shrink from every breath of danger and extinguish every spark of courage in the breast of their sons. Still, the lively picture of dangers with which her son had been threatened in the last battle moved her to beg him with tears to give up military service forever. He sought tenderly to reassure her by speaking of God, who is master of life and death, and he added, quote, If the command is pressed upon me by the general voice of the country and offered upon such terms as cannot be objected to, it would reflect dishonor on me to refuse it, and that I am sure must and ought to give you greater uneasiness than my going in an honorable command. End quote. But he was not willing to undertake such an exceedingly difficult post as that of commander-in-chief without making conditions. With clear insight into the requirements of the situation, he demanded that the commander-in-chief have a voice in the choice of his officers, punctual payment of their salaries, and a complete revision of all the commissary department according to principles proposed by him. All this was granted and soon proved advantageous to the war footing of the army. Later, he introduced another law into the House of Burgesses, which gave the military courts the right to punish murderers and deserters, and by which even gaming, drinking, cursing, and loose life were to be appropriately punished. It took a determined man like Washington not only to have those laws passed, but to enforce them. One of the principal tasks of his campaign was to drive the French out of Fort Duquesne in Ohio, and in this he succeeded. Thereby the power of the French on the Ohio was destroyed, and for the last and most difficult part of the task, which had occupied him for several years, and so extraordinarily employed his faculties, was finished. The Indian tribes that had been on the French side now came over to the victors and made overtures of peace, which were accepted. When Washington had accomplished this honorable task, he laid down his command and retired to private life. End of chapter 5. Recording by Tom Mack, Tucson, Arizona.